0: good morning north shore so glad to have you here and online and we're continuing our sermon series through our vision and our mission really who we are as a church and our heart as a church and uh, we revealed our our motto our tagline this snapshot of our church that we desire to see is that hope changes everything thank you brother hope changes everything meaning hope changes our circumstances Having hope in Jesus changes our relationships. It changes how we face temptation. It changes how we face success. It changes how we face struggles. Hope changes everything. And our vision is to see our communities, plural, our families, our relationships, our our neighborhoods, our workplaces, to see our communities changed through hope in Jesus one person at a time. That's the pace setter. The way Jesus did it, right? How we're going to go about that, that's what we've been diving deeper in. And we've spent two weeks on each leg of the race here with our mission of how we're going to go about reaching that vision. And that is to see our communities change through passionately pursuing Jesus. Has to start there. Has to start, number one, with Jesus and pursuing him passionately. And then next to that, radically loving one another. And then compassionately serving our neighbors. That's where we're at today, week two. Next couple weeks, we'll spend time on relationally discipling all people. Okay? But today, compassionately serving our neighbors. There's a couple stories that I think of uh, that, that come to mind for me about the church showing up and love showing up in a compassionate way. Uh, first, it's, a, it's an old story, and then I'll bring a new story in. Old story, uh, here's a picture of my son, Owen. I have four kids. This is the, my youngest son. Can you show the other one? Uh, this is my son today. Uh, he's 14 years old, young man, uh, neat, neat guy. Uh, love the boy. Well, when he was born, uh, he was born in 2006 in February, and uh, he was uh, two weeks old when he contracted a, a virus infection uh, called RSV, and a lot of kids get it, and it's just c- like a common and cold, and, uh, but for some, it's deadly, and uh, for him, it was that. And so he ended up going into the hospital because he wasn't able to breathe. And the hospital sent him to another hospital, Sacred Heart in Spokane. And, uh, and it was in that flight to Sacred Heart that he had stopped breathing five times. His little body was shut down. And you can show that other picture now. His little body was shutting down. He, he just didn't have the fight in him. Two weeks old, little Owen. And, uh, and it was at that time and it was scary, right? I mean, as you can imagine, it was at that time, and maybe you faced some other things similar. It was at that time that we saw, our family saw, the church show up for us in such a profound and significant and impactful way that 14 years later, what comes to mind when I think of compassionately serving, I thought about the church showing up for us and compassionately being there and acting as they were moved to. And it's changed the way we've lived. Next, I think of a a significant story, but it's a a smaller story, and it has to do with Jackson, our beloved uh, audio-video tech. Everybody say, we love you, Jackson. (laughs) He has been a pivotal player. By God's design, instrumental in this whole shift that we've been doing and surviving since March 8th. And so, anyways, uh, it was in spring that somebody, uh, just some punk kid, smashed the back of his car window in just for fun. I remember being that punk kid way back. Um, and so it was raining, as it does here, right, in spring. And so it was raining and raining, and the window was still broken. And then one staff member was talking to another staff member, and like, hey, man, have you noticed, whatever. Well, soon enough, that conversation from seeing the broken window were moved to go, man, let's, let's fix that. And so uh, stole his car and, and, and put the money together and whatever, and then he had a new windshield, and then eventually his car was dry, right? Saw moved acted that that element those elements are exactly what we see in the word of god that word compassionate we use that on purpose very intentionally compassionately serving our neighbors that word compassionate is very biblical I'm going to give you a biblical foundation for that word. It's used 11 times. I'm going to look up a couple verses. You don't need to follow with me there. They'll be on the screen. I'm going to use a couple examples that, that capture the point. That word is used 11 times. It is always used the same way. It is always used the same way. And it has these three ingredients. See, moved, act. Okay? Luke seven thirteen. It says this, and when the Lord saw her, he had, say it with me, compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. She had lost her son. Her son had died, and then he came and healed him and brought him back to life. Another example, Luke 10.33, this is what Scott shared last week about the Samaritan story. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and we know the end of the story, is he came and he served in a very generous, gracious way, okay? And then one more, Luke 15.20, this is the prodigal son story, Luke 15, As the prodigal son rose and came to his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And many of you know the story, how he lovingly embraced his son back within the family and said, the the wrong's done, they're done, and you're you're my son, right? Eleven times, those are just three. 11 times that exact same thing happens. Exact same thing. Here's the Greek word. uh, As if you're new to the Bible or new to Christianity, the New Testament was written in Greek, ancient Greek. So oftentimes we make reference to those words to go, what was that deeper meaning? What what else was there? Here's the Greek word. Uh, How many of you want to try and say this with me? Splunknizomai. Splunk needs am I. No takers? Okay. Well, it's a verb. It's an action. And this is what it means. To be moved as to one's bowels. That's not a great imagery, is it? It's not. Figuratively. Okay? To be moved with compassion and pity. Sorry to take you there. Not trying to bring you into the gutter. But the word means... That you are moved from the inside. Have you ever had to go to the bathroom? Have you ever had to really go? From the inside, you are moved to, right? You are moved to. So, and we use this in our language. We, We say, what is your gut telling you? We don't say, what is your liver telling you? We say, what is your gut telling you? There's a deeper, significant meaning. My heart was moved. Veronica, when you were singing that song, when you were singing those keys, my heart was moved, almost to tears, right? The spirit was moving. I love you with all of my spleen, or left ventricle and right ventricle and aorta. No, no, the deeper meaning, compassion. It is a movement from within, from seeing and being moved to act. You can't help it. You you participate with God in that. That use of the word is our biblical foundation the strength of that word and being rooted in God and God's call to compassion and how he made us, that's that's who we are as a church. That is our aspiration and calling as we seek to serve our neighbors. Amen? We just want to be like Jesus. We just want to be like Jesus. This is what we see him do We want to follow his example. See, move, go. We will see our communities change when we compassionately, we will see our families change. We will see our friendships change. We will see our work relationships change. We will see our neighbor relationships change when we see and we are moved and we act. Amen? You see it. You see it. So I shared a personal story of how I was served by the church, and I shared a personal story of how the church served one of our fellow brothers. How many of you have a story where the church served you? Maybe it was a lot of the church, or maybe it was a small representation of the church, but the church was there for you in a beautiful, compassionate way. How many of you have been a part of one of those redeeming stories of you getting to serve, compassionately serve a fellow brother, sister, or someone that doesn't know the Lord yet? How many of you have seen the church move? Put your hands up. Online, put your hands up. You've got to participate with us. And a lot of hands are up. Thank the Lord. And we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Compassionately serve. Compassionately serve our neighbors. Jesus came to serve, not be served. Jesus came to serve, not be served, Mark 10. He came to wait upon. That's literally what the word means. When you think of a waiter or a waitress, a server, he came to wait upon, not be waited on. Interesting imagery, isn't that? And you see it reflective of his life. He went to go and do good, be good, serve, help, heal, fix, repair, rescue, redeem, restore. That's our Lord. That's our boss. That's our Savior. That's the one we're behind following, passionately pursuing. And from that, radically loving in addition to compassionately serving. Now, one of the greatest single acts and examples of his servanthood was Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Washing his disciples' feet. If you will, turn with me to John 13. We'll, we'll spend time there in John 13. Now, uh, many of you know this story. And for some of you, it might be new, new to the Bible, new to Christianity. Uh, for you that's new, I'm going to walk through some elements of the story. For you that have been familiar with this story, these are, you know, these things. Jesus was with his disciples, and it, it was the Last Supper, the last meal that he ever spent with his disciples. And there's a famous painting, right, about the Last Supper. This was the Passover meal that they were sharing, this sacred, traditional Jewish meal, the Seder that has deep, significant meaning. And he made some connections between some of the elements, like the bread that was used representing his body given, and the wine, the cup, and a certain cup that was reflective of his blood being poured out for the forgiveness of sin. So he's connecting some of these dots of this meal that they have, as disciples, they have uh, ate together traditionally for years, I mean, their entire lives, right? So he's connecting some of these dots. And it was, as Josh said earlier, and as we often say, it was the night that he was betrayed. It was the evening that he was handed over to the enemy. And so Jesus gets up, and he wraps a towel. Many of you know this. He wraps a towel around his waist, and he pours water into a basin, and he gets down on his knee and he serves. He serves. Peter resists. What are you doing? Jesus responds. Now I, want to read that, I want to read that verse. Verse 7. John 13. Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. For... Some of you, this might be the one thing that God wants you to take away from this whole thing. This might be the one word that God wants you to take away from this whole message. What I'm doing right now, you don't understand. But afterwards, you will. He goes on from there, and he shares about what he's doing and whatever and we'll get into that in a moment but why 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 did Jesus serve his disciples why did he wash his disciples feet now this is the the teacher style question where I'm looking for the one right answer and if you get it wrong nope 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 because I know exactly what I'm looking for here in this right I want to point you to verse 3. A lot of us are familiar with this story. I want to point you to verse 3. Okay, and let's read verse 3. Verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And he got up and he washed his disciples' feet. This is why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And this will be the outline from this point forward of the message that we'll we'll get into today. So why did Jesus wash his disciples' feet? Well, first, let's take verse 3. And it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had done these things, he got up and he served his disciples. Okay? I want to take that first. Knowing that the Father, uh, there's an assumption there that he... Knew the Father. To know that the Father did something, it means that he knows the Father. So I I don't want to miss that piece, okay? So why did Jesus serve his disciples? Why did he wash their feet? First, because he knew his Father. He knew his Father. Jesus' words, John 6, he says, What are the works of God? The works of God are to believe. The works of God. John 17. What is eternal life? Eternal life is knowing God. To know God is to believe God. To believe God is to know God. To have a personal, real relationship with God. Not know about God, but to know God. I know about Russell Wilson. Here's a picture of Russell Wilson. I know we're actually the same height. So do you think I can do his job? No, absolutely not, right? He's 5'11". And he's 31 years old. And he's born in Cincinnati. And he has a wife who's a professional musician. And he has two kids. And he's a quarterback for the Seahawks, right? He's and he's a Christian. And he serves at Seattle Children's. And my favorite part is that inside information is that my son, Owen, he has a friend who's at the hospital. He spent the entire month of October at um, at Seattle Children's. Russell called him. That's awesome. But I don't know him. I don't know him. Do any of you know him? Not one hand. How many of you know about him? Every hand, right? But I do know my dad. Here's a picture of my dad. I do know my dad. And he's kind. And he's loving. He's a good dad. He's a great grandpa. He's respectful. Uh, He always beats me at cribbage and every other card game that we play. I know about him. He's been an accountant most of his life. I know about him. Because I know him. I know him. Knowing God and knowing about God are two different things. Jesus, why did Jesus get up and serve? Because he knew. He knew, he knew the Father. How many of you know the Father? I know the Father is kind. I know that he's kind and he's patient and he's gracious and he's merciful. I know that firsthand experience. I know that he's loving, and I know that he's strong. I know that he lets us get away with stuff, and he brings us back in. I know that firsthand. Jesus, knowing the Father, he got up and he served. So what does that mean for us? Christian, not knowing about God, but knowing God. Christian, since you know God, get up. Get up. And compassionately serve your neighbors. Why else? Why else did Jesus serve? Let's go back, John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he rose from supper and he washed his disciples' feet. This is cool. I'm excited to share this with you. Knowing that the Father had given him all things, well, He was Lord, right? He's Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. He's Boss of Bosses, right? Meaning he has all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. And since he's Lord, he owns everything. Everything is his possession. How many of you uh, can match that? No, not one of us, right? However... 2 Peter 1, verse 3, says this. His divine power, that is Jesus's, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, even, of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Check that out. Why did Jesus get up and serve? Because he knew the Father had given him all things. Christian, you have been given all things through God. Second Peter 1 just said that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness through knowing him so that you can be partakers of things that you cannot do on your own but only through God, partakers of the divine nature, Jesus working in and through you. So why get up and serve? Why did Jesus get up and serve? Because God had given him everything. And it was from that place that he got up and served. Christian, God has given you everything you need in him to get up and compassionately serve. To see, to be moved, and to act for your neighbors. Why did Jesus get up? What else? Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God, he rose from supper and he washed his disciples' feet. Knowing who you are from, which is strange, right? Not where you're from, but knowing who you're from. Jesus knew he was from God. Now, we don't claim that we were, you know, the origin of that in being with uh, the Father and the Spirit for all eternity past. But we do claim you have a creator. And since you have a creator, that means you were created by God. And on that note, you were intelligently created. You were intentionally created you were personally created by a God who loves you and wants you amen so for some of us that maybe were adopted and that have no personal connection or reference to our biological parents or maybe for those of us that do Or know one and not the other. And you know more about the story of maybe they did not plan you. Or have intention on having you. God knew it. God knew it. And he intentionally, intelligently, and personally had you. Made you. Loves you. And wants you. You are not an accident. You are on purpose. Knowing. Why did Jesus get up to serve? Because he knew who he was from. Christian, know who you are from. You are from God and by God. And from that, having intentionally and intelligently and purposely Having been made by God because he loves you and he wants you. Get up. Get up and serve. Compassionately. Serve those that were also. Not an iota less. Intentionally, personally, and intelligently made in God's image. The neighbor that you serve the neighbor that you see something and you are moved to act, they, in the same way, in the same manner, in the same likeness, in the same value and intrinsic value and dignity, were made. So get up and serve. Because you know who you're from. Lastly, why did Jesus serve? John 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose, rose from supper and washed his disciples' feet. Jesus knew he, where he was going. Starts with us knowing where we're going, knowing where we're going. Life is temporary, heaven is real, hell is real according to Jesus, right? Those are eternal destinations, eternal resting places forever. This place is temporary. It's important for us to be reminded of that, to remind one another of that. It's easy to lose sight of it, amen? It's so easy. It's it's just human to lose sight of it. We need to be reminded of that. This place is temporary. The things that we're dealing with right now are temporary. The things that we're holding on to right now are temporary. The things that we're enjoying right now are temporary. The things that we're loving right now or cringing about or struggling with are temporary. This life is temporary. We are going back to God. We are going back to God. This life is a temporary testing Temporary testing. Matthew 25, Jesus says it so well. I love this example. If you're not very familiar with this story, I'd encourage you to go back to this story. Matthew 25, it's about some judgment Jesus weighs in on, comparing sheep versus goats. But he gives this story of, he gives this phrase. He says, as you did to the least of these, it's as if you did it unto me. As you did these very simple and practical and tangible things to your neighbor who you saw of dignity, value, and worth, and meaning, and belonging, as you did this, it was as if it was equal to you doing it to me, myself, as you did to the least of these, you did it unto me. because. We're not just living for here and now. There's so much more. There's so much more. There's something far greater that we have our eyes set on. And we need to remind each other, hey, get your eyes up, right? Get your eyes up. This is temporary. It makes me think about our Navy families, military families for sure, Navy families, you know, close to home, and how they do packing and unpacking, how they live, right, Temporary. They know this is a temporary time with a temp- temporary place. And how they pack is amazing. And how they unpack, it's with temporary in view. This is a limited time and space and place that we're here. And then there's the next, right? We too, we too are to keep in view this is a temporary place. Why did Jesus get up and serve? Well, he knew he was going back to God. Likewise, Christian, brothers, my brothers, my sisters, in the Lord, you can get up and compassionately serve because this is a temporary place and we are going back to God. We are going back to God. As we see and we are moved to act We do that because we know the Father. We know the Father has given us all things that we need. That we are from him and we are going back to him. So we get up and we serve our neighbor with compassion. Amen? Amen. I want to give you a few practical things. That's a lot of the why well, why, where's the biblical foundation for compassion? Where's the biblical foundation for serving? Okay, now we're gonna spend some time in the why, okay? And uh, we're gonna talk about three things. Number one, we're gonna talk about just some practical, tangible, interpersonal, relational skills. I uh, wanna to bring to view Peter's house that our uh, lead pastor, Scott Harris, introduced to you yesterday. And I'm gonna bring up Nancy to talk about um, our local partners and how we're engaged in our community, okay? for things for us to know and do from there. Personally, okay, personally, how can I serve my neighbor? I think it starts with this, okay? And this is just a small thing, but it's a big thing, and it makes big impact. When you see somebody that they have just as much value to you, they they have just as much dignity to you, they are made in God's image just as much, no less, just as much, you treat them differently. If you think any different about any of those points, you treat them differently. Right? People you struggle with. When we treat people with dignity, respect, value, worth, from the lens of God, as he sees you and he sees them equally, it changes things. And so I wanna encourage you with this, practical, tangible, simple, interpersonal skill, okay? Listen well, listen well. There's a lot that goes into listening well, like eye contact, like if I'm talking, I'm not listening. If I'm talking in my brain because I wanna say this, I'm not listening. By simply giving dignity, value, and worth by making eye contact and shutting your mouth, So that you can listen. Listen to their words. Listen to their heart. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to not what they're saying. Listen to them. And also learn from them. You, check this out. I just learned this. It blew my mind, right? You'd be like, what? That should not be new to you. I am one of seven billion people in this world. And so are you. Meaning, you have only... One of seven billion perspectives. You are only one of seven billion perspectives in this world. Meaning, you don't know it all and you don't see it all and there's something else for you to learn. And I actually think of Nancy when it comes to this. There is always something you can learn from other people. So when you think about if you're older and you look down on younger or if you're younger and you look down on older, or if there's somebody that's different than you, or if it's like positionally at work, if you're up and you're looking down, or if you're down and you're looking up, and there's a breakdown of that dignity, worth, value, respect, I want to challenge you. You are one of seven billion perspectives in this world, and they are just as equally valuable and dignified by God amen and so we can try it on in listening well given them that showing them that and learning from that's the first piece the second piece is Peter's home and I'm just going to make a brief introduction here and then I'll bring Nancy up here uh, but our lead pastor representing our elders revealed this uh, this plan this desire that we believe God is working, and right now we're just uh, we're spending a lot of time praying on it and doing some of that investigative work, and just want to see what God's doing. Uh, but God has blessed us here in this place. But with the school, there's some sensitivity of of the way we can minister and use this uh, building and this resource. And so we've been looking at and talking and and praying and dipping our toe in the water of what would it look like for us to do. Uh, outreach and have a community resource to to love, serve, and compassionately serve our neighbors, especially our working class and working class families in the heart of Everett. And so Peter's house is this desire and attempt, and it's really in prayer mode. And so with that, Peter's house is in Capernaum. Peter had a home and Jesus often stayed in the home. And so this heart is, this is where Jesus is. This is where Jesus resides in a way, in a place to be able to minister to our community in a way that uh, we haven't yet or we're not able to from this capacity. And so we want you to know that. We want you to be praying for us. We want you to be asking questions as we're asking a ton of questions ourselves. And, uh, but we want you to know that and be praying for us in that journey. And then next Nancy Brewer. Give Nancy a hand. We love her a ton. And I brought Nancy up here uh, as uh, she introduced some things last week or reminded us and would love for you to just kind of keep that in view. So, uh, so number one, what would you want us to know about our local community partners? Nancy?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> Thank you, Pat. Last week we introduced the local partners with whom we work together in compassionate service. Casino Road Kids Ministry, Everett Gospel Mission, Lord's Little Cooker, Pregnancy Resource Center, and Habitat for Humanity. These partners have the expertise and experience in specific areas of ministry that, frankly, we don't. So it's wise and wonderful to be able to partner with them in compassionate service for folks that are impacted in these various areas. Just another thing to keep in mind about all of these organizations, organizations, They, just like us, have been severely impacted by the pandemic in needing to be creative, in needing to know how to go virtual, in needing to know how to adapt. So as a result, some volunteer opportunities um, are limited. Habitat for Humanity, limited. Casino Road, limited, but God's given them a wonderful idea. They're delivering books to kids' homes on Casino Road for kids to read. Everett Gospel Mission, volunteer activities are suspended, but they're having their Feed Hope Here campaign right now, only $2.05. They can feed folks during the holidays a huge part of their ministry. And then lastly, Pregnancy Resource Center and the Lord's Little Cooker, they actually both have openings for volunteers and are accepting donations. So every organization has a little half sheet at these uh, signs, and that's where you'll get all that information.
0: Wonderful. Uh, And is there anything that you'd want us to do? when it comes to seeing, being moved, and, and doing, acting.
1: I love that, um, how you laid that out so clearly, Pat. I wrote it I down. I love how the Bible did. Yeah. That was the
0: <laughs> first for me. Oh, man, that's good. How, how
1: God gave you that. Yeah. See, move, act. And honestly, right now, these half sheets are a wonderful way to see. They have all the current prayer requests. They have the current challenges, the current opportunities so pick one up, pick all of them up, and say, I'm going to take a couple months to go through these, or I'm going to go through them a week at a time. Pray about them. And the interesting thing is, is that often after we see and we become aware, God brings to us people that could use that service Amen. or people that want to know about it. And it's through awareness that he allows us to move in ways that we are not even aware of. Right. Because I read this this week, and I thought, that's it. This is service. When we serve others, we are serving God's purposes in their lives. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Let's continue to join together in following the Lord and how he's leading us in compassionate service. There's folks up here uh, afterwards to come and chat with about these things and pray.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Nancy. I love that our church is involved in the community and is seeking new ways to be. We want you to know, and and Scott said this last week, this uh, this message of compassionately serving our neighbors can be misunderstood. It can be misunderstood in the sense of, man, there's a lot I need to be doing. I need to be busy. I need to be doing a lot always. There's a sensitivity here in this that this is not, this is what his words were, this is not a to-do list as we present things or lead or guide. This is not a to-do list. This is a to-be list. The heart's desire of this is that we would be like Jesus. We would be more and more and more and more like Jesus. Jesus. And his heart was not always being busy and recklessly being busy and, and wearing himself into the ground. That's not it. But it was a heart of servanthood. It was a heart of compassion. It was a willingness to give way to God and God's heart in and through his life and ours to serve. That's it. So there will be times where you will be busier and more engaged and there will be seasons of life where you're not amen anybody been around the block and seen that that's okay that's okay this is not a to-do list it's a to-be list before the lord a heart of servants a heart of servants that's what we want with that we're going to get in some worship